Good morning, uh, everyone. Um, thank you for joining us here at Facebook Live with Love Nogales, Mariposa Community Health Center. Uh, I'm Eladio Pereira, the Chief Medical Officer, and with me is Associate Medical Director, Dr. Phil Williams. Uh, good morning, Dr. Williams. Good morning, Dr. Pereira. Thank you for joining me. Before we begin, I want to acknowledge uh, the assistance of Marco Leon and Garda Munoz for making this possible. We're here um, from the beautiful studios in downtown Nogales. Um, all architecture, just, just, just great. So thank you for, for hosting us. Um, so today we're going to talk about heart disease. This is Heart Disease Awareness Month, and we have been doing a few sessions to review uh, the items that are really important in heart disease. I'll do that, and then Dr. Williams is going to follow up on the pediatric side to discuss a couple of things about congenital heart disease. And we thought it would be very appropriate to discuss the issue of uh, myocarditis uh, with, with COVID-19 vaccine. Um, so we are going to get started. So um, as, as you know, heart disease is, is very prevalent. It does kill a lot of people every year. Uh, but there are a few things that, that we can do to, to reduce the risk. Um, there are various forms of heart disease. It may be worth reviewing that. Uh, the first one is called what we call a heart attack, which is what we call an acute myocardial infarction or acute MI. That's when one of the blood vessels um, in the surface of the heart gets blocked by a blood clot and it causes reduced blood flow to the heart muscle, and the patient complains of chest pain, shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, jaw pain, and that's a medical emergency. The second piece is something called heart failure, where the heart muscle doesn't work as well. Either it doesn't contract or doesn't relax, and that causes symptoms of congestion, meaning shortness of breath. Uh, swelling of the legs, etc. And the other piece is called an arrhythmia, where this irregular heart muscle um, or irregular heart big contraction, either from something called atrial fibrillation, atrial flutter. But those are the, the main things. Um, bienvenidos. <coughs> Mi nombre es Eladio Pereira, director médico de Mariposa. Mi colega, el Dr. Williams. Este mes es el mes para hablar de, de enfermedad del corazón. Vamos a cubrir ciertas uh, áreas. Uh, espero que, que sea productivo. Eh, primero, unas definiciones. Lo que llamamos el ataque al corazón es un infarto al miocardio donde se forma un coágulo en una, una de las arterias del corazón y afecta el flujo de sangre al músculo. Segundo, es falla congestiva donde el músculo del corazón no se contrae apropiadamente o no se relaja y eso crea... Eh, líquido en los pulmones, edema, hinchazón de las piernas, etc. Y el tercer concepto es arritmia, donde el, el, el sistema eléctrico del corazón no está trabajando apropiadamente y, y late irregularmente. Esos son los, los términos para hoy. There are four, a few things that we can do to reduce risk. You know, we cannot eliminate risk, but we can reduce it. And I want us to concentrate on those. <coughs> The first one is, Uh, regular physical activity, and it is recommended by various groups, including the American Heart, 
American College of Cardiology, that adults walk briskly about two and a half hours every week. Um, that the data is pretty consistent in terms of risk reduction. It has other benefits. It lowers cholesterol. It uh, enhances the mobility of the joints. It also reduces the risk of depression and all those things. So physical activity is one. I want us, us to commit to that. The second piece is um, elevated blood pressure or, high, or hypertension, um, typically defined as blood pressure 140 or 90 and above. Um, there are various groups that uh, recommend lower pressures than that, but for today, 140 over 90 is, is, is good enough. And, and certainly the doctor will prescribe a treatment plan, which begins with what we call lifestyle changes, sodium reduction, walking, weight loss, all those things are really central. Uh, many times we're gonna need medication and the doctor will choose the, the drug that's best for you to make sure they lower, um, to lower the blood pressure. The, the outcome we want for hypertension management is to reduce the risk, not just of heart attacks, but risk of strokes and risk of chronic kidney disease. That's really essential. Um, the other uh, uh, action we can take is um, to reduce smoking or quit smoking if you do the smoke. Um, smoking causes a lot of harm um, to our bodies, not just to the heart, but it can affect the brain and vasculature across the body. Uh, there are ways of, of enhancing the ability to quit smoking at Mariposa. We offer um, the referrals to, to the ash line to help with quit smoking. And then the, the other um, risk that we need to manage, and I'll talk about that after Dr. Williams uh, covers the pediatric, is high cholesterol. And we know that the higher the cholesterol, the higher the risk. Um, we look at what we call LDL cholesterol, which is the one we manage. And I'll cover in just a moment how we make decisions to use certain medications. Ahora en español, mencioné que los... Hay, hay varias intervenciones que podemos hacer para reducir el riesgo. Primero, eh, establecer un, un, un patrón de actividad regular de dos y media horas a la semana, caminar bastante rápido o en la bicicleta. Eso no solamente reduce el riesgo cardiovascular, baja el colesterol, nos ayuda a las coyunturas, ayuda a la salud mental, tiene muchos beneficios. Segundo es eh, estar seguro que la presión arterial está normal para esta discusión. Vamos a usar el número de 140 sobre 90 eh, como la deficición de hipertensión. Eh, medidas más altas de esas se considera presión alta, presión elevada o hipertensión. Um, hay varios uh, tratamientos incluyendo pérdida de peso, actividad física, En ocasiones el doctor va a utilizar medicinas para bajar la presión y, y bajar el riesgo de, de infarto al cerebro, infarto al corazón, etc. Y la, la otra intervención es eh, reducir el colesterol. Eh, 
El colesterol que nos interesa es el que llamamos el LDL y en un ratito vamos a hablar de las indicaciones para la medicina. So that's, that's what I have. I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Williams now to talk about the pediatric side. In pediatrics, um, we, we take cautions about, you know, diagnosing some congenital heart issues, and you're going to cover that in detail. And then he's going to switch to uh, myocarditis with, with, um, with the COVID vaccine. Dr. Williams? No, thank you, Dr. Padilla. That, that was a great, great, great overview. So, you know, heart disease is not just limited to adults. We can also sometimes see it in pediatrics. Obviously, the rate of heart disease is significantly lower in pediatrics than adults, but it is something that, that we sometimes see. And essentially, um, heart disease in kids is broken down into two main categories. So one are what we call um, um, cyanotic heart lesions, and the other are, are what we call non-cyanotic heart lesions. So I'll kind of talk about what, what those both mean. So typically what happens is um, um, blood from the right side of the body, it goes um, to the lungs through a, an artery called your pulmonary artery. In the lungs, the blood is then oxygenated, so it gets oxygen, and then it's brought back to the left side, and then it's pumped out to the rest of the body, that nice oxygenated blood uh, through a big blood vessel called, called your, your, your aorta. So essentially those cyanotic heart lesions is where there's a structural change in the heart that prevents the blood from either being oxygenated or prevents the blood from being pumped out effectively to the, 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 throughout the body. And um, you know, those lesions, those cyanotic heart lesions um, are, are essentially structural changes in the heart meaning that the heart formed in some sort of way that it prevents it from, from, from doing so. So essentially, when those babies are born, they're actually born blue. So, um, you know, one of the things that we do as pediatricians, we always want to stimulate the newborn babies. When you stimulate them, you make them cry. The blood actually goes to the lungs. They pink up pretty quickly. But in these babies with those cyanotic heart lesions, they actually stay blue. And there's actually five major um, um, cyanotic heart lesions, and we don't have time to go through all, all, all of those five. But as I mentioned, they're essentially um, changes in the structure of the heart. For instance, one is called transposition of the two great vessels. So essentially what transposition is, is the artery that normally pumps blood from the right side to the left side, and the big artery that pumps blood all throughout the heart, those are basically switched. So instead of that blood being oxygenated, it can't just because, again, those two blood vessels are fixed. Mm -hmm. So there, there's others. There's something called truncus arteriosus. There's something called tricuspid atresia, tachaldria fallot, all these terms that as pediatricians, you know, we have to know. But, um, you know, essentially for all five, the treatment is surgical, meaning that at a very, very young age, those kids are taken to surgery. And then essentially we go in and we fix those. For the lesion that I mentioned where the two blood vessels are fixed, literally surgeons go in and they cut the two vessels and they, they switch them and they, they sew them back, back together. Right, right. And the good news in kids is that um, they actually do very, very well. Um, you know, the life expectancy for most of those, those heart lesions after surgery is the exact same as someone um, who, did, who was not born with, with, with a similar lesion. So some of those conditions will be detected at birth because of the skin color and things like that. Others take a little while. Those are less severe. So can you talk about the importance of 
follow a visit with the pediatrician so that the pediatrician can observe the newborn, the skin, the behavior, the heart sound. You want to talk about it? That's a great point. So, you know, definitely, definitely close follow-up with your pediatrician is really, really key because there's a lot of things that we look for. Um, even in the newborn nursery, one of the things that we do is that we check what's called a pulse ox, or it's the oxygen saturation of the babies. So essentially, in some of those lesions, those cyanotic lesions, the pulse ox or the oxygen saturation is going to be different from, for instance, your right side to the left side. So we check that. We put the pulse ox on the baby's right arm, we put it on the, on the left arm, and we see if there are any differences. They really should, should, be, should be exactly the same. Um, another thing that we look for are heart murmurs. For some of those lesions, you can actually pick up an extra sound um, called a heart murmur, and we can actually see those on exam. So definitely close follow-up is very, very important. That's great. Well, thank you. So that's congenital heart disease, so importance of follow-up, uh, pediatrician, heart, uh, listening to the heart, listening to the lungs. We have been... Um, you're reading a lot about COVID-19 vaccine. We recommend the COVID-19 vaccine to reduce risk. What about the issue of myocarditis? What can you tell us? Great question. So, you know, there's been, um, you know, some cases of what we call myocarditis in kids after getting COVID vaccination. And essentially what myocarditis is, is it's inflammation of the heart muscle. So there's a lot of causes of myocarditis, um, you know, in pediatrics, um, infection is the most common cause, specifically viral infections. There's a group of viruses called enteroviruses and one specifically called Coxsackie that we worry about. But there's other viruses like adenovirus, even sometimes there's rare cases of influenza also causing um, myocarditis. And in most cases in pediatrics, those myocarditis is, is they're asymptomatic. So in 50 to 50% of, of kids, you have myocarditis and then it just self-resolves on its own. A lot of times you don't even pick it up. So it's, it's mild inflammation of the heart muscle. Um, so with COVID-19, there have been some cases of inflammation of the heart. And I should preface and say that it, is, it has been extremely rare. It's much more likely to get myocarditis from having actual infection with the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Um, you essentially have a 16 times higher chance of having myocarditis from getting COVID infection than you have from getting myocarditis after getting, you know, a, a, a shot. So it's significantly higher with, with, with infection. Lo que está diciendo el doctor Williams es que uh, you know, existe la condición de miocarditis, que es inflamación del corazón. Se han reportado varios casos con la vacuna de COVID-19, pero los casos son muy raros. Eh, el riesgo de inflamación del corazón es más alto con la infección que con la, enferma, con la infección que con la vacuna. Se recomienda la vacuna para reducir el riesgo y el riesgo es 16 veces más con la infección que con la vacuna. Eso recomendamos uh, la vacuna para reducir el riesgo. El otro tema que el doctor Williams cubrió es eh, problemas del corazón congénitos. Eh, habló de varias condiciones que se corrigen con cirugía. Pero desde el punto de vista primario, los pediatras evalúan el, el, el recién nacido en el hospital y en la oficina observan el color de la piel, el comportamiento. En muchas ocasiones la condición se detecta inmediatamente. 
En otras uh, situaciones no, toma un poquito más de tiempo, el, el pediatra eh, evalúa en esas primeras visitas, escucha el corazón para detectar soplos o lo que llamamos en inglés murmurs y eso determina el próximo paso referido al cardiólogo. Se puede hacer un ecocardiograma que es un tipo de sonografía para evaluar eh, la estructura del corazón. So, es muy importante que en este mes eh, reconozcamos la, que es cierto que la, en adultos es más común, pero que en niños también existen problemas cardiovasculares. Gracias, doctor. And then finally, I'm just going to talk about high cholesterol. Uh, we do recommend physical activity. We recommend diet, low in saturated fats. Um, but we use medications to lower cholesterol. Um, uh, they're called the statin drugs. Um, they've been shown to reduce mortality in various groups, but usually there are a few conditions that we um, diagnose uh, in order to decide. Number one is people who have pre-existing heart disease. So those people who had heart attacks are going to be on a statin, usually a high-intensity statin, either atorvastatin, which is Lipitor, rosuvastatin, which is Crestor, The uh, second situation is when patients have a very high LDL, usually about 190. And those patients, uh, there's a goal. We want to bring that LDL under 100 uh, frequently, and um, we'll use a statin too. Third group is patients with diabetes. Depending on risk, we use a, a, a medium-intensity statin or a high-intensity statin. And then the fourth group is those patients 40 through 75 without any of the other conditions, but who are high risk. We have a calculator that we use to determine the 10-year risk, and we divide that into low risk, medium risk, uh, and high risk, or intermediate risk, I should say. And that helps us determine whether we use medication. We get questions, how do you decide? And that's how we decided. Heart disease diabetes, high LDL over 190, and then those individuals who have none of those, but who are considered high risk between age 40 through 75. Uh, those people over 75 is more complicated, and the doctor and the patient can get together and decide what is the best course of action. Uh, el manejo del colesterol, incluye, el colesterol alto incluye um, actividad física regular, una dieta apropiada, bajan grasas uh, saturadas. Um, hay cuatro situaciones donde recomendamos medicinas, las estatinas, lepitor, crestor. Primero, pacientes con enfermedad cardiovascular establecida que han sufrido un infarto miocardio. Segundo, aquellos pacientes que tienen un LDL más de 190. Tercero, pacientes con diabetes. Y cuarto, paciente entre 40 y 75 años de edad, cuyo uh, riesgo cardiovascular es alto, determinado por una fórmula, una fórmula la que usamos para determinar el riesgo a 10 años. Esa es la manera en que hacemos las decisiones. I think that completes our journey on heart disease. Uh, we would like to get a commitment from you that you're going to look at your activity that if you smoke, you're going to look for ways to quit smoking, that you see your doctor to measure your uh, blood pressure, measure your cholesterol, and measure your blood sugar. 
Diabetes defined as 126 and above, blood glucose or A1C 6.5. And you know, the doctor can, can decide for you what is the right treatment for that. I think with that, we're gonna finish. Doctor, any other comments? You know, I, I just wanna add one quick thing. You know, there are a lot of student athletes here in Santa Cruz County, baseball, football, you know, yeah. uh, there are a lot of sports that are really, really common. And there is a condition called hypertrophic yeah. cardiomyopathy. Essentially, it is thickening of the heart muscle that can affect athletes. So, um, you know, for especially our student athletes, but um, um, really for everyone, you know, it is something that your pediatrician will screen for. Um, we can pick it up um, sometimes um, on, on EKG, but it just, you know, it's one reason, another reason why um, having close follow-up with your pediatrician is, is really, really important. Yeah. A lot of times there's a family history, so there's a whole long list of questions that we ask whenever you come for your, for your, your sports physical. But just want to, you know, mention that that is something that, um, you know, that can have, cause significant issues um, in, in adolescence. And that's another reason to see the pediatrician come ready to disclose a family history, of heart disease, a family history of, of sudden death, a family history of, of passing out during exercise, a heart murmur, all those things are really important. Mm -hmm. Con eso vamos a terminar nuestra sesión hoy. Le agradecemos a Edgardo y a Marco por ayudarnos al doctor. Muchas gracias. Le agradecemos al apoyo a toda la audiencia que nos escucha. Espero que estas sesiones sean productivas, eh, cubriendo tópicos que son muy prácticos, que nos ayudan a vivir mejor. Con eso concluimos. Muchas gracias. Nos vemos eh, pronto. Gracias. Buen día. Bye bye.